0: This is episode 32 with award-winning writer Diana Rabb, a mother, grandmother, and today we'll be talking about how you can be transformed by your story. Basically getting it off your
1: chest. You know, sometimes we're carrying stuff around that we don't even realize that it's damaging our psyche, but it is.
0: Hey moms, are you tired of being tired? or maybe yelling at your kids, or maybe you need to know how to get your strength back postpartum, or learn to manage your stress, trying to do it all, or just to become a more confident mom. If so, then welcome to Citrus Love, keeping motherhood inspired, I'm Christiane Bégin, a mother of two, sharing inspiring conversations with wonderful people on how we can be mentally and physically stronger moms, and also including freshly squeezed ideas, a little bit of fun, so you can learn how to find balance and also how to raise strong, caring, confident kids in today's world. So if you're ready, let's get started. Hi, welcome to another episode of Citrus Love Podcast. What I like to do on the podcast is bring you topics that are not discussed as much and also bring new perspectives to a different way of inspiring your own mom journey, your own life as a woman because we're not only mothers, we're women first and foremost. You still need to take care of you and so today we're going to be talking with an award-winning writer, author, poet, mother of three, now grandmother, a speaker, a twice breast cancer survivor and this is Diana Robb. She's an award-winning author of ten books, including a mom's choice awards for two of her books. She's written over a thousand articles and poems. She has a PhD in psychology with a concentration in transpersonal psychology with a research focus on the healing and transformative powers of memoir writing, memoir writing. Her educational background also includes health administration, nursing, and creative writing. She's written many books. I will give you all the links on my page, citrusleftcom episode 32. So you'll be able to access those. If you're curious, she wrote a book about pregnancy and staying pregnant because she had a few complications. Lots of poetry collections. And on her website, you'll see she gives workshops and she has two online courses that she's giving through a different platform. So I'll link all of these after. We're going to be talking talking about her book which i i read writing for bliss 7 step plan for telling your story and transforming your life honestly i i've never been one of those people that truly journal and write every day and just love it just to let you know because i know there's some of you that might say Ugh. That's not me. Just keep an open mind. Some are specifically writing tips and the entire episode, it's about how you can write to heal, transform, and even learn more about yourself and others. Sometimes you just need to get your feelings, get something off your chest. And what better way to just do it is just write it out. But sometimes you're like, stuck. what should I write? How should I write it? So we're gonna talk about that. We're gonna talk about a few different ways you can write. It's not always book form. Get ready to learn how you can share your story, heal some part of you, and just have fun because writing doesn't have to be serious and all about transformation, but it makes you reflect on things and then you remember details. So I'll stop there. Let's listen in on today's conversation. Welcome, Diana, to Citrus Love Podcast. Thank you again for taking the time to do this, skipping out on washing the dishes. So thank you again for um, being on the podcast today. Sure. Well, thank you so much for having me, Christiane. And you were asking, yes, I'm near Montreal. Yeah. yeah.
1: Montreal. That's why I recognized uh, uh, a
0: different accent. Yes. 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 It's not American. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. You live here
0: a couple of years, right? Yeah. All three of my kids are born at the Royal Vic. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So in the beginning. Yeah. 15 years. Exactly. Yes. My
1: eldest daughter was, we left when she was, I think, in second or third grade. So yeah, early childhood.
0: Ah. <laughs> you know exactly where I'm at. Well, Beautiful. I'm close to it. So, today I'm happy to be talking about writing and more specifically, Writing for Bliss, which is the book you wrote and wanted to talk about this topic, link it back to how we can help support mothers on their journey using writing as a tool, doing this podcast and speaking to many women and mothers. One thing I found fascinating is during the conversation, I realized that everyone every mother has a specific story to share and not everyone is always comfortable to share it openly or to publish their story or is confident enough to think that they can actually write it and publish it for the world to read it but I do believe in the power of stories and connecting one another through them and one thing that was interesting is you say that we can use words to heal and to translate transform ourselves. And that is really something that I want to dig in into today. So the power of that. So when did you realize the ultimate power of words through writing? Because I know you said you started young, but when did you realize that that was a tool that was maybe bring more joy to you or making you feel better? That's a really good
1: question. I actually started writing a lot uh, as I would say as a teenager, but it started basically when I was about seven years old and I went to sleepaway camp and my mother brought me a beautiful box of stationery and she said, please write us once a week. And it kind of inspired me because I wrote her, she wrote me back and it was a beautiful way to connect with her back then. We weren't allowed to call our parents uh, from camp. And then my transformative moment really happened when I was 10. And my grandmother and caretaker in New York took her life in my childhood home. And unfortunately, I was the one who found her. And Mm -hmm. it wasn't brutal. It was an overdose. But nevertheless, you know, I think children take things in stride. But at the time, it was the 1960s. And My mother had been an English major in college, and she didn't know what to do for me. Therapy wasn't a big thing, so she went out and bought me a Kahel Gibran journal, beautiful journal, red leather, and, you know, little sayings on the top of each page. And she said, you know, uh, I'm I'm having a lot of trouble dealing with the loss of my own mother. Um, Maybe if you want to start writing your feelings, that'll help you heal. And so at a very early age that writing heals Writing makes you feel better you know the journal doesn't talk back it's Mm non-judgmental so I think every time I went through challenging times um, my grandmother then a friend died and then I was on I had three high-risk pregnancies actually in Montreal and I was on bed rest and so with each pregnancy I wrote about my my journey. Uh, As a matter of fact, my first book, Getting Pregnant and Staying Pregnant, was based out of my journal. Um, And I was a nurse at the time when I was in Montreal. So I kind of tied in my personal story with stories of other women and health professionals of how to deal with difficult pregnancies. And then I went through two cancer diagnoses and wrote my way through that. So I think writing has just been a part of my life for so long. And it just is healing and transformative. And I love being where I'm at now where I can share my passion with others.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. So your life kind of, it took a path that really pulled you into writing and using that. So, how does your writing routine look? Do you write every day, multiple times a day? Um, you carry a journal with you everywhere. How does that look like for you? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Actually, it's, it's changed over the years. It evolves depending on where I'm at. Uh,
1: when I first started journaling, yes, I carried a journal everywhere, and then I had one at my bedside and one in my, you know, little purse, and. <laughs> Then I found it got really complicated when I wanted to. And then I traveled a lot because I I had family all around the country. So I would take a journal on the airplane and very often I would start my articles in my journals and then I would finish them on the computer. So right now I'm a grandmother and I would say my typical day is that I wake up, I do a little meditation, then I write in my journal. Sometimes I'll just write my dreams. Sometimes I'll write about... Something that whatever pops into my head and that's called stream of consciousness writing. And then I just go on with my day and if I come across something that's fascinating when I'm reading, I'll jot it down in my journal and I might explore it or research it later. So yeah, that's basically my pattern. I do a lot of blogging for various sites. Psychology Today, Wisdom Daily and, and Thrive Global and you know, depending on what project I'm working on, I've got eight books. My latest one as you mentioned was writing for Bliss. Um, don't know if I've got any others on the on the horizon, but <laughs> maybe I'll write some books for my grandchildren. I know that I will be the first one to introduce them to journaling just like I did with my own kids.
0: So your kids, do they journal as well? Um, My son,
1: I've got three kids, uh, 36, 34, and 31. And my son is the youngest and he journals. He's actually a writer. Girls, not so much.
0: You say that you feel your best when you're writing. Is that because you said it's non-judgmental? You can write openly, freely about everything you want? That's one of the reasons. Actually, it's non-judgmental and it's
1: healing. It, it helps me also tap into what my subconscious mind is feeling and going through, uh, and you know it doesn't talk back as well, which is which is a <laughs> good thing.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I wanted to share, you said that you've kept a journal for all your three kids for the the first 10 years of their life, and you're planning to gift it to them on their wedding day. Is that right? Yes. I actually, I'm amazed that you found that. I haven't said that in a long time, but,
1: but two of my kids... One was married, one is still married, and I think I gave it to one of them, not the other, but I did. From very early on, I would put in their journal, you know, highlights, like when they first started to walk, funny things they've said, like my son, you know, one of the things he said when he was about four was he looked up and he said, why doesn't the ceiling fall? (laughs) So, and they found that very amusing
0: as they got older.
1: And, and the and the cute thing, my granddaughter, she's three. One thing she just said, I told her mother, she needs to write this down. Is I bought her a watch for her birthday. She was wearing it yesterday, and I said, so Lila, what time is it? And she looked at her watch. She goes, I don't know. The hand keeps moving. <laughs> <laughs> so if you... <laughs> and
0: I, I said, I know the feeling. <laughs>
1: So just capturing moments like that are just precious.
0: Yeah, it's funny because I think most moms I know they start out with a goal of journaling, especially the first year, and then you start doing the doing it, and then you have a second, and then not so much. <laughs> and you write like the first time they walk and things like that. But you see so many books at the store, like remembering what they've said and things like that. So you've done it constantly because you were doing it for yourself right do you write daily work it's personal it's thoughts it's quotes or things you like yeah exactly
1: it does vary depending on what projects I have going on I try to always have some writing material near me I'm you know like you know especially now we know with that pandemic it's been really challenging Mm -hmm. got a lot of thoughts about you know I think this whole thing is encouraging people to look inward and so i think journaling mm-hmm. it's really good to do it this at this time i'm actually teaching a course called right heel transform on daily Om, and the numbers of people registering are just huge because i think people not only do they have time but they're you know i think it's causing us to reflect on what's important to us and you know who we are we're usually so busy running around we don't really think about our needs as much so mm-hmm. uh, So I think I'm writing a little bit more now because of that as well. Just the alone time and, you know, internal reflections and musings.
0: Mm -hmm. Is this a writing course they can go to your website? Well, it's a it's an online course uh, through a uh, platform called Daily
1: Om. It's a very big, you know, it's it's kind of like they have a lot of self-help and spiritual courses to Mm -hmm. help people Mm -hmm. move further in their life. And they it's offered through their site. I'm actually working on a second one for them. But this first one is writing a memoir and it's done in eight lessons. So you Mm -hmm. do it at your own speed and, you know, you can do it like when your kids are sleeping or, you know, at your own speed. It's, you know, and then I give you writing assignments, which uh, helps along your journey.
0: Mm -hmm. So to the mother listening, who's thinking, okay, I'm not a writer, like I don't want to publish a book. Can anyone be a writer or is it an innate skill?
1: It's debatable. Like some people say, in order to be a really good writer, then you maybe it comes more naturally to some people. But I believe everybody has a story, and I believe everybody can tell their story. You know, if you if people are thinking of getting it published, they can always get an editor to make it more comprehensible, perhaps. Mm-hmm. But everybody can write, and mm-hmm. some people, you know, like my father-in-law, who survived a couple of wars. I wanted him to write a story, but he said, you know, I don't like writing. And I said, well what you can do is you put it into a tape recorder and then have someone transcribe it. So there's all always options for telling stories.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to read an excerpt from your, the book is writing for bliss, a seven step plan for telling your story and transforming your life. So you write by documenting the story of your life, you have the chance to relive examine and reconstruct your lived experiences in a way that can be empowering by working through your life you are able to draw a certain amount of energy from what you have been through reconcile yourself with the experiences and then move forward so can you explain how can we reconstruct the part of our life that's already happened and reconcile ourselves with the experience through writing Well, uh, what happens is
1: we have lived experiences, for example, uh, we've gone through certain things at certain times and, you know, at the time we might not, it's very difficult to reflect on experiences that we're going through right now. It's much easier to reflect and have insight about them if we're looking back upon our experiences. So that's what I mean about, like, recreating your narrative. For example, you know, when my grandmother died and when I was 10 years old, you know, I kind of took that in stride. Oh, Grandma died. But now, you know, 40 years later, when I actually found her journal, I thought, wow, that must have been really traumatic for a 10-year-old to find her grandmother. But, you know, at the time, it was like, oh, well, you know, Grandma just got taken away to the hospital and I didn't see her again. So I think sometimes experiences, when we're going through them, we can't, We can't analyze them. We can't reflect on them. We can't have insights about them. And so, looking back, we have much better insights. Which is why most people that write memoirs are usually older than 30 or 40, unless they've lived a very difficult experience and then they write about it. And you know, tell people when they're writing, going through something difficult or challenging, they should journal. It's really a good idea to journal. But if they're thinking of doing a memoir, you really do need a distance from the time you go through the experience to the time you start writing the memoir because of that reflective element.
0: Hmm.
1: Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, yeah, that does. Yeah. For me personally, I never... Truly enjoyed writing, and I I knew exactly why that was is because it brings me back to school, high school, university when we had to write essays with topic that so many pages like this. This this it wasn't as much fun. You didn't have the freedom as you you can with writing. But what I loved about your book is you had so many writing prompts that gave me ideas of how to I guess get your creativity running for writing and just looking at things differently how to create a story doesn't have to be a big thing you you can take moments of your life and and write those out in details but you say that if we write from the heart That's when we can discover ourselves even more, heal, and it opens up maybe part of ourselves, our subconscious minds that we weren't really aware of. I wanted to share a writing prompt because you hear about self esteem, mothers having new babies, they're not very comfortable with their new bodies. So, one of the writing prompts, you said to describe the person you think you are and to describe yourself. Seems simple, but trying to describe yourself, you kind of realize after doing it how you truly see yourself and the impact it has can be really profound. You had so many writing prompts in the book. This was one that I remembered and I thought that was great. Just simple things like that. Thank you. Yes,
1: I mean, uh, that's that, you know, there's a lot of writing prompts you write throughout the book. There's also a big section in the back where there's a whole list of writing prompts because oftentimes people will contact me and they say, you know, I've got so many stories, I just don't know where to start. And so, mm-hmm. you know, just go to the writing prompts, pick a prompt that looks interesting. And just go from there. And the beautiful thing about journaling is, you know, it's not like you mentioned school. It's not like you have to write an essay with a beginning, middle and end. It kind of can wander anywhere. You go, you know, you could start writing about your sister and how different you are. And then you might end up, you know, writing about what a beautiful day it is or how you went to the beach and what you saw at the beach. So they don't have to connect in the way that an essay would. And that's the beauty about journaling.
0: Yeah, it brings more fun and joy, I guess. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Into writing again. Um, I wanted your thoughts on this because it made me think. So you said that when you weren't kind of in confinement due to your bed rest during your. Pregnancies, and you wrote a lot. Uh, I was thinking that nowadays, because of the, this pandemic, I mean, most people would prefer to maybe go visit friends or travel or do all sorts of activities. Would you think that this would work if they write, let's say, take a vacation so someone says I wish I could go on vacation if they write about maybe the last place they went to that they truly enjoyed all the details the scenery all the senses and the emotions do you think that brings more joy to them and just a sense of having traveled Oh, I
1: totally agree with that. I mean, you know, gratitude journaling is one type of journaling, you know, where I know Oprah and a number of other people do it, you know, every night to write about not only what was good about their day, but all the things that bring them joy and happiness and what they're grateful for. And it's definitely a beautiful way to remind ourselves that, yes, we're going through challenging times, but there's always good, there's always light in the darkness So, you know, and especially now, like you're right, we can't travel much. So writing about, you know, reflecting on certain trips that we took that maybe when travel opens up, maybe we'd like to revisit those trips or go back there. And yes, it's a beautiful way to bring some joy into your life.
0: Mm-hmm. There's different forms of writing. in your book, you mentioned a couple memoirs, poetry, love letters, essays. What's your favorite form of writing, like your sweet spot?
1: Well, it really depends on my mood again. I mean, I basically mm. do write memoir. I mean, that's my I, I, mostly everything I write about is about my real life experience. I fictionalize some, but I'm not a novelist where I would make up stories. And in terms of the form, uh, you know, I like writing memoir and I love poetry. And right now I'm working on a poetry book. And a lot of my poems connect the personal with the universal. Uh, So there's always a message that people can relate to. For example, I wrote a poem dedicated to my father who passed away many years ago. He used to teach ice skating. And I wrote about, you know, him going down to the basement, getting his ice skates and and you know now the memories of him just hang on the walls of my house where there's photos of him. So I kind of connected his personal life and how memories can basically all about, about memory and how, how we store our memories. Poetry calms me, right? because it's, it's really poetry is the form, I would say I would call it the voice of the soul because it's very succinct. and you
0: have to really, you know get to what you really want to say with a minimal amount of words. So since you're talking about poetry, let's jump into that part. You say that reading poetry books or even writing poetry, it can be a springboard to growth and improve your writing. How can it accelerate that?
1: Well, one of the things I'll start since most of your listeners are moms, I mean, Mm -hmm. I started writing, I wrote poetry as a teenager, but I really started writing more when I was raising kids because... First of all, writing poetry doesn't take long, you know, it doesn't take a lot of research. It's just writing from your heart. And so, you know, when I had, you know, the kids were asleep and I had half an hour, I'd write a poem. And it was fulfilling because I was creative and I felt good about myself and I was doing something for myself and perhaps if I was going to publish it for the universe. Any kind of creativity is something that feeds our soul and poetry is one of those things
0: it made me think of a girl I met at university and I never used to write poetry. I would go in her dorm room and she would write poetry. She wasn't studying above literature or anything like that. And whenever she had strong emotions, she would start writing a poem. And it's funny because now out of the blue, sometimes I have this urge to write a poem and it just it just flows something I need to get out and I do it poetry form because it's short it's easy but it's very random it doesn't happen often but I found that I think I picked that up from her (laughs) <laughs> Seeing that you would use this to to feel better about something. And when you can't really talk about it with someone in the moment, you, you still need to express yourself. So I thought this was a beautiful way of doing it. Yes, definitely. <laughs> One tip you shared, I found it fun, was that when you write a book, usually the first four pages are not good. Uh (laughs) The the real story starts a few pages in. I thought that was funny because usually you start and you're like, okay, how am I going to start this? How am I going to start this? What's your thought on this? Yes, when I teach writing workshops, I, I, I do say, you know, I tell people to give them a prompt,
1: for example, and then I tell them to look back at it. And sometimes the first four, well, four, first four, depending how long the piece is, the beginning is very often what I call the throat clearing part. In other words, you're, you know, you're trying to get a message across, you going <clears throat> and finally, you know, maybe four or five paragraphs down, you got the message that of the crux of the article, the poem or the story you want to tell, So it's just kind of, I look at it like kind of like a warm up.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's smart, because I would have normally thought, well, if I'm not able to start correctly, maybe it's, you know, I'm not a good writer, things like that, that you can think about quickly. But just being able to have those few pages to get in the flow and find your story, that gives us confidence. I find that would give me confidence doing that. I want to share another excerpt from your book. You say you must allow your inner self to become exposed. It is much easier to be naked physically than it is to be naked psychology or spiritually. But the latter is necessary in order for your deep emotional truth to be revealed in the course of your writing. Fear can be immobilizing and limit your joy and bliss. If you are fearful, then you're not living in the moment. Living fearlessly can transform your feelings into a more grounding space. When thinking about your fear, think about if it's based on fact or something you've imagined. I love, love (laughs) this part of the book. Oh my gosh, many people, they're afraid to how do you say it, hear or listen to what they really want and what they're really telling themselves. Mm -hmm. And it's scary. It is. What would you suggest to someone who is afraid to write from the heart? Well, I would
1: just say like what my father-in-law told me when I got my cancer diagnosis is have no fear. Like, what are you afraid of? You know, Mm -hmm. I think um, some people have trouble even talking their heart. So I think Everyone's different. Some people just talk their heart very easily. Others have trouble. So one thing that can be done is if you read a lot of books or articles, people that write in that way it kind of can be contagious. That would be one suggestion. And also poetry is one way to tap into the, you know, the soul. So just finding good poets to read. Um, It's basically about not just having courage. And there's a section in my book about having courage. I believe that we all have a story, but the stories haven't changed over time. You know, in hundreds and hundreds of years, there's been love, there's been death, there's been romance, there's been hatred, there's been, you know, children born, children die, dramas. I mean, and so mm-hmm. the stories haven't changed. What's changed is how we've decided to tell them, you know. Mm-hmm. And so it's in the telling and, and revealing what's in your heart that will make it compelling for others to read if you choose to publish.
0: Mm-hmm starting small and
1: yeah. that's right and very often people tell me is that once they start once they get going then they can't stop and so that's why using writing prompts in my book are helpful because they could ask you to write about for example When you learn how to ride a bicycle, write about that experience. And before you know it, you're talking about your family dynamics. Maybe you're talking about some happy times, some sad times. It's all coming out. And then you look back on your journal and you circle those moments that still stand out. And maybe they need to be explored at a deeper level.
0: And you also say that we have to make sure that when you're writing, you write what you want instead of what others might want to hear. Right. Obviously, it will change if you're writing only for yourself or to be published. But even if you want to be published, you still say it's important to write what you want and not what others want. Can you talk yes, about that?
1: I agree with that because I believe we all have our own emotional truth. I'm sure you've had the experience of going through a situation or event with someone else and when you retell the story years later or months later, whatever it might be, You each have a different version of the story, but you are both present for the same event. You know, even two siblings being raised in the same house. So we all have our own emotional truth. We all all have our own ways of looking at things. And it doesn't mean that one is right and one is wrong. It's just different. So if you start thinking about what other people want to hear you say or write, then it really does dampen or I should say hinder your creative process.
0: Yeah. Let's talk more about writing for healing. You say that sometimes writing about our traumas can be used as a safe containment and help dissipate some of the strong emotions. How does that work? (laughs) (laughs) Well, writing in,
1: in conjunction with therapy is even more powerful, but just writing, if you've been through some difficult times, it's just basically getting it off your chest. You know, sometimes we're carrying stuff around that we don't even realize that it's damaging our psyche, but it is. So Half the, half the work or the majority of the work is just getting it out of you onto the page and then maybe tapping into various aspects of an event that, you know, might you might want to dig deeper into. So that's basically how it works. It's just getting it out of you. And sometimes it takes many years after you've had an experience for you to be able to write about it, you know, especially if you had childhood abuse and, and um, some real serious trauma uh, where there was damage to your inner child. And so... It's just about getting it out of you. I mean, I think it all catches up with us at one point or another. If we've been through, you know, events that were hurtful or challenging, there's going to come a time when it just triggers happen that remind us of that event, either consciously or subconsciously. And so it's just going to have to be addressed and, and healed. Hiding is one, one way to do that.
0: Some things I keep them in. I'm like, what's the difference writing it or keeping it to yourself if you're not sharing it with someone else? But you're saying there's like proven benefits that when you do write it, you're taking it out of you. You're taking the weight off. And I mean, there've been a lot of studies. uh, James Pennebaker
1: did a lot of studies on writing for healing. and One of the things he found was just writing for 20 minutes out of, you know, about something that was challenging or difficult was healing from a physiological and emotional standpoint. Um, And there is one caveat. I mean, sometimes if people have been through some severe trauma and if you start to write, if it starts to hurt more, then take a break. You know, you shouldn't write through the pain. It should feel good when you're writing. It should feel like a release.
0: There was one study you shared where students wrote about personal feelings had less illnesses than those that didn't. Yes. Wow. A lot of people would need to do this. <laughs> That's very true.
1: That's very true. <laughs> have different ways. You know, my, uh, it's funny because my brother-in-law he started, he's not a big reader, but he started to read my book his, and he said, oh, I really love it, but you know, I'm, when I want to heal, I'm I'm better at talking. He says, so that's my way to heal. Um, mm-hmm. And I, well, everyone's different. I I'm you know I'm doing a lot of interviews, but I basically I think I write better than I speak, and so everyone's different. So you have to find what works for you. And sometimes people are good at both. You know, it really depends.
0: Another tip you shared that I thought was really smart is that when you're writing, especially in longer essays, book book form, you should never finish a sentence the end of your writing because it's easier to continue the next time. Yes. That's smart. That's so smart.
1: Yeah, that's actually, um, fiction writer Ernest Hemingway used to do that because he would, you know... Ha- finishes writing for the day, and you come back in the morning, just facing a blank page is really hard. But if you leave it, you know, the writing from the day before, just mid-sentence or mid-thought, it's much easier to get
0: going. Definitely. Ah, About that, because they want, like, closure. They want to finish what they're Mm -hmm. writing. A lot of people don't think like that. Since mostly mothers listening, you shared that we have to think about the beginner's mind and that relates to children. Talk about that. Yeah. Beginner's
1: mind is basically, uh, it, yeah, it, it very much does relate to children. Just, you know, looking at things through a child's eyes, you know, just walking through a garden. They've never seen a garden before. Like, what would that be like? So if you're you know, writing as an adult about walking through a garden, imagine yourself in that, those child's shoes walking through the garden. So Beginner's Mind is pretty much, it's like a clear slate, if you will.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's true that kids, when they talk, they put so much emotions and they're, sometimes the story is really boring, but they're telling it like it's the best thing ever and taking so much time to explain. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I get that. I get that. Another type of writing you wrote about is erotic fiction. (laughs) I want to mention this because I did not expect to hear this in your book. Um, But with like Fifty Shades of Grey and those types of books, talk about, especially for women listening in a relationship, maybe after having kids, you often hear, oh, it's tough to keep the romance alive. How can we use erotic fiction or even you talk about love letters to bring more romance and sexiness to the relationship.
1: Yeah, no, that's a good
0: one. I mean, I think
1: for Valentine's Day every, every year, I usually write an article, for some magazine on writing love letters. Mm. First of all, it's a lost art in a lot of ways. And another thing is sometimes we forget to say things that we really should be saying. Well, maybe that should's not the wrong word, but other people would like to hear about how we feel about them. Mm-hmm. So it's also, again, about being transparent. It's about sharing your emotional truth, you know, especially when you're a mother, you're just, you're so wrapped up in, you know, raising your kids and doing the best thing. And, you know, we do forget about our partners because sometimes there's just no time in the day. I know when my kids were little, we made a point of going out one night a week. You know, we had to find a babysitter we trusted, but and now it's kind of hard to do that. But even you know, just going for a drive for an hour, even now we just go for a drive when we can. We can't go out to dinner or for a drink or anything because the pandemic. But um, just making a habit of just showing love and we show love to our kids, but we sometimes forget about our partners. So writing poems or letters is a really great way to do that. Presents are great, but this is, you know, this is different. It's, It's beautiful as well.
0: Mm -hmm. give us a a few tips of how we can write a love letter because like you said it it needs to be playful spray it with perfume or seal it with a kiss i love those ideas
1: (laughs) (laughs) well exactly i mean you want to start out like most letters you want to start out saying the reason for this letter is just to tell you you know that i'm thinking of you that i love you and And yeah, you just want to be as honest and transparent as you can, you know, maybe you want to reminisce about some fun times together, trips that you've taken that maybe you can revisit and just jogging some memories, just kind of tapping into the lighter side of the relationship because often, like as I said, like the parents are just busy focusing on the kids, they forget one another. And, and, you know, yes, you can attach a chocolate bar to it or spray it with, you know, perfume yeah being playful is really important
0: Mm -hmm. for erotic fiction you said even reading it as a couple that could be an idea
1: Hmm. yeah that could be i have one of my poetry books is called lust and i've got a lot of and there's also it's a podcast it's not a podcast it's also read by a new york actress um an audible and it's um it's available on amazon but A lot of couples have told me that it's brought them together because they read it to each other in bed. I thought that's really cool. That wasn't my intention, but it looks like, you know, people liked it.
0: It made me think of in the movie Sex and the City, she's obsessed about love letters and historical love letters, and she reads them to her fiancé in bed. Because it's mothers on the podcast and you did briefly mention your mother a couple of times in the book. You said that you felt like an old soul in a child's body and your mother's attitude pushed you towards poetry and that she believed children should be seen, not heard.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and that you didn't feel nurtured as a child by her. Do you think you gravitated towards writing because it brought you a sense of comfort that you didn't feel from your mother? How was that dynamic? Yeah,
1: no, that's a really good point. Haven't thought about that a long time. Um, Well, now she's 90 and she's in a assisted living facility. Um, I have to say that um, my mother... I'm an only child, and my mother really didn't want to have kids. My dad was a Holocaust survivor, and he lost all his family, and he wanted to have a whole, you know, slew of kids. And my mother, um, a little bit of a narcissist, really didn't want any kids. And he said, come on, we have to have at least one, you know. Mm -hmm. She wanted a parakeet. (laughs) And so they had me, and she, I think, you know, she just, she had a hard time loving. I think that was part of the problem, and... My dad, thank goodness, made up for it. He was a very loving man. I had a lot of friends, and they both worked. They were both immigrants, so I think my writing really was my, my journal was my best friend, my companion, because I was alone a lot. I don't know if so much, I didn't really write about her much as a kid. I mean, she did expose, she did get me my first journal. She sent me to Europe to learn French. Um, I mean, she did a lot of great things in the, to the best of her ability, but she was not nurturing No, in that sense but you know I did have a father that was so I was lucky and I had some aunts and uncles that were so I think my journal was more than anything my confidant because I felt you know I felt judged by her I couldn't really share my innermost secrets so I think more than anything that's what it was I don't know journals really can't be nurturing because they're just they're inanimate objects but they Mm -hmm. definitely um, brought me comfort in a in a different kind of way
0: Mm, yeah, I I find that um, there are some things from from everyone's childhood that just follows them and that creates the person they are. Um, yeah. It's so interesting. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Sure. Um, now you know, of course, now that she's older
1: and that my father, her husband, passed away, you know, she's alone and she doesn't never really nurtured any relationships for that matter. She's a horseback rider and. So now I think she's grateful that I exist because I, you know, I manage her care, manage her bills. I manage everything about her life. But early on, she just, um, you know, she really had trouble, you know, giving and loving in that kind of way. I was kind of like the mother to my mother and which served me well as, as a mother myself. But at the same time, I didn't have what a lot of people you know, have, like, my my daughters are great mothers. I'm just really envious of how much love that they give their kids. I mean, it's just, it's, it it makes me tear up. I'm just, uh, their kids are so blessed, you know, in that way. But Mm -hmm. I think kids are resilient. And as long as there's at least one person in their life that they feel that they can trust and that adores them, you know, that's, that's really important. Mm -hmm.
0: Did you, how do you say? It? It compensate for the the lack of, I guess, affection you had from your mom by being a very affectionate mom to your kids. Yes, I think so.
1: I think I had overcompensated. Yeah, I definitely. I'm also a different kind of person than she is. So mm-hmm. it's more like my father's very giving and loving and you know and and generous spirit. So I think I did overcompensate, but at the same time, we weren't the same person anyway. Yeah yeah
0: so for mothers listening today just capturing everything we've talked about how can they find bliss through writing or how would you tell that mom if this would be the right thing for her if she's she's never done it before
1: right well you know like anything else unless we try something we don't know and i I would say starting to journal the best thing to do is buy a journal that is pretty, something that resonates to you, something that you want to open up, you know, uh, and something that lays flat so you can be inspired. You don't want to have to kind of battle with bindings and that kind of thing. So first I would get a journal that inspires you. And then I would find a pen that you like writing with. I love color that you like. I write in purple. I love writing in purple. It inspires me. So, you know, get a journal you like, get a pen that you like and date the you know, always date your journals when you're writing in them because it's fun, you know, future time to look back and see what you were feeling at various times. And just write. You can do stream of consciousness writing. Of course, my book has a lot of prompts. My book, Writing for Bliss, has a lot of prompts. But you can just start by saying, you know, right now I am feeling and then just see where it goes, you know. Mm-hmm. Just just go go with the flow. Don't have any expectations on yourself. You know, just enjoy the journey. And I, I always tell people who don't think of the destination, just enjoy the journey. It's
0: mm, beautiful. So, what's next for you? Where can listeners find more about you? Give us all the information. Yeah, thank you for
1: <laughs> So, my website is dianarab.com, and that's dot B.com. And all my books are there. I've written memoir, poetry, and also self help books. I do offer writing workshops, uh, you know, up till now they've been in person. I've not done any yet online, but I probably will as things unfold here. I teach for a couple of workshops on daily OM. I've got one now called Right Heel Transform, and I'm working on a second one. They're on my website. My book, Writing for Bliss, is also company is a writing for bliss, the companion journal, which also is another really good way to start journaling. There are some sample pages on my website for people that want to start. And then if they like it, they can buy the book. In terms of what's next for me now, I'm doing a lot of blogging. I just came out with what I call a conversation cards. Basically, they're for you know they're great for moms and families to sit around and talk and grandparents too asking grandparents or parents what was your favorite activity as a child what was your favorite food what was your favorite trip? Tell us about your childhood. So they're really conversation prompts. They actually started because I was, I have a writing assistant who is a college student and she said she has a hard time communicating with her grandparents because <laughs> time, you know, she says, tell me a story, Grandma. Grandma says, well, I have so many stories. I don't know where to start. So these are good mm-hmm. conversation starters. They're available on Etsy. And uh, they'll be available probably on my website at one point. So, yeah, dianarab.com is my website. It lists all my articles, my books, where you can find me, where you can connect with me. And I have a newsletter that comes out once a month with a lot of writing tips and suggested reading. And you can sign up for my newsletter uh, on my website. And right now I have this special that if you sign up right now, you get a free copy of uh, my conversation cards good plus
0: so i'll just end with one the last question i ask everyone that comes on the podcast so we all know that being a mother a parent is a roller coaster of emotions and experiences keeping motherhood inspired what one thing have you found kept you inspired and energized throughout your mom journey
1: oh one thing that kept me energized is just watching life go by through the eyes of a child, just beautiful, mm-hmm. just reliving my own fascination, my own wonder. It's the wonder that the children have that's just beautiful to watch. And the important, one thing I learned is uh, the importance of patience. You know, I think we, a lot of us lack it. And just being mindful, just being present with them when they need it, being there when they need it, as opposed to, I'm busy, I can't be there now. And that goes for any kind of relationships, mother, daughter, husband, wife, you know, it's just being mindful and being trying to tap into your intuition to what the other person needs from you.
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of Citrus Love, Keeping Motherhood Inspired Podcast. If you think someone would enjoy to listen to this episode, please share it with them. You can share the link wherever you're listening or go to our website at www.citruslove.com episode and the number where you will find the episode as well as all the information about the guest's or the specific episode. The best way to get our podcast ranked is by leaving me a review wherever you're listening, two, three, four, five, six stars, whatever you feel reflect podcast. This will not only let me know what needs to be improved as well as what you particularly love. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you'll get the next episode. And thank you so much for listening. Talk to you next time. Bye guys.